0: This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. I am your host, James Orr. This is episode 13. Today, we're going to continue with Norm and Norma's story, and specifically, we're going to look at the impact that buying an owner-occupant property to live in will have when they're otherwise buying short-term rentals. Norm and Norma decide that buying an owner-occupant property is important to them. They do not want to be renters. They decide to prioritize buying an owner-occupant property first by saving up a 5% down payment and some closing costs, and then buying an owner-occupant property to live in. When they buy the owner-occupant property, the monthly payment to own is much higher than what they are paying in rent. It goes up so much that they go from saving about $1,000 per month from their paycheck to saving about $420 per month. However, over time, their savings rate as a homeowner increases because the mortgage payment remains fixed. Eventually, it improves so much that it even surpasses how much they were saving as a renter, but that takes almost 15 years to happen. By buying an owner-occupant property, that means that it delays when they're able to buy their first rental property. Why? Well, for several reasons, two of which apply and one that could apply but technically doesn't in their case. First, they spend part of the down payment they could have used to buy their first rental on buying an owner-occupant property first. This does apply to them. Second, they reduce how much they're saving each month from their paycheck so it takes longer to save up for the down payment. This also applies to them. And third, their debt-to-income is higher as a homeowner than it was as a renter. This could have limited them if they were closer to their debt-to-income limits when buying their next property. But in their case, they were not close enough for it to have impacted them. So how does buying an owner-occupant property first and delaying buying the short-term rentals impact their ability to be financially independent? Well, it takes Norman Norma four years longer to be financially independent by buying an owner occupant property first when putting 15% down on their short term rentals. But what about 20% down? Well, that's also the same four years longer. And if they put 25% down, well, that's just a tiny bit longer than four years. It's 49 months. So that's really close enough that I'm going to call all of them about four years. So the cost in terms of delaying financial independence for them buying a home to live in first is four years. If Norman Norma hadn't achieved financial independence prior to paying off their owner occupant mortgage, it is possible that by paying off their mortgage, they would have qualified as being financially independent. This would have happened through reducing their personal expenses low enough without a principal and interest mortgage payment. However, They actually were financially independent before their mortgage on their primary residence was paid off, 30 years after they bought it, and the amount they needed to be considered financially independent dropped. The benefit they get by paying off their mortgage is that it increases how much they can spend on other expenses. In other words, it increases their standard of living. So even though it takes them four years longer to achieve financial independence, they could although we did not model it this way, but they could live at a higher standard of living once they pay off their owner-occupant mortgage. And out of an abundance of clarity, I mean that they can live at a higher standard of living than they could if they didn't buy an owner-occupant property, but still purchase short-term rentals. I make this clarification because in both cases where they're buying short-term rentals, they can live at a much higher standard of living than what we have them living at which is just maintaining the same standard of living norma norma were living at while working at their jobs. For example, they could literally be sustaining a standard of living that is more than 10 times what they are currently living at if they rent and do short-term rentals at the end of our modeling. But by that same end of our modeling in year 60, they can live at a 70% even higher standard of living by buying an owner-occupant property. In other words, they could live at about 17 times what they're currently living at. Now, I believe in having a healthy buffer between what they could live at and what they do live at, but living at 1 17th of what you could be living on is even a little extreme for my conservative standards. If after doing some of our advanced alternate universe modeling with more realistic random returns, it is still super conservative, we could do some additional modeling and consider maybe some of the following options. For example, we could raise their standard of living so that they're not still living on what they were earning while working. Or we could be a little more aggressive in moving up when they achieve financial independence by selling some of the rentals to pay off the remaining rentals. Or we could be reducing the work needed and converting the short-term rentals into long-term rentals, or maybe even switch to a more passive investment like real estate investment trusts, REITs, stocks, bonds, or by selling the short-term rentals. Or they could buy fewer than 10 short-term rental properties to begin with. Now, these are just some ideas that we could test on this strategy and other strategies where they're living significantly below what they could support with their asset base. But enough of my digressions. Let's get back to discussing the impact of buying an owner-occupant property and then 10 short-term rentals for Norman Norma. Let's talk about net worth. Buying an owner-occupant property results in a lower net worth. For example, with 15% down, Norm and Norma would end up with about $5 million less in net worth by the end of our modeling in 60 years. Now, that's in inflated dollars. If we adjust back to today's dollars, that's approximately an $800,000 difference, the difference between $13.5 million and $12.7 million so about 6% more net worth by renting instead of buying an owner-occupant property and working four more years. So let's finish up this episode by taking a few moments to discuss risk. Is it riskier for Norman Norma to buy an owner-occupant property or to rent before buying 10 short-term rentals? In previous episodes, we've discussed some of the reasons related to risk, where they might prefer to be a homeowner, so I won't cover those again here, but I will comment on some of the more measurable risks. For example, let's talk about how resilient they are to rents dropping, which we call rent resiliency. By buying an owner-occupant property, they do buy their rentals later, which makes them a little more risky in terms of rent resiliency. This is really because their cash flow is shifted out later by buying the rentals later. As an aside, this also means that the negative cash flow they'd have if they put 15% down to buy their short-term rentals gets shifted too. But getting back to rent resiliency, really what they're doing is just shifting their rent resiliency risk later into their model. So they remain riskier for a little longer by buying short-term rental properties later. That is to say, similar risk profiles just shifted to later. Another way to measure risk is to look at the total debt they have compared to their net worth. When we compare buying an owner-occupant property with 5% down versus renting, the risk for buying an owner-occupant property is much higher when we look at total debt to net worth. Why? Well, putting 5% down to buy a property with little less saved with this measure of risk is a high risk activity. It spikes this risk measurement Over 865%, where just renting maxes out at about 325%. All the extra risk with the debt to net worth measurement is front loaded. It appears when they buy their first owner occupant property with just 5% down. If they had put more down, it would have been less extreme. And later on in our modeling, having the equity in the owner occupant property actually reduces the risk that Norm and Norma face as they acquire more rental properties. So when buying an owner-occupant property, this risk spikes early and high, but it actually reduces risk later on in all but one way. By buying an owner-occupant property, they end up buying their last short-term rental later, so the risk gets extended a little bit too. Now, everything I just said about debt-to-net-worth can also be applied to -to debt-to-account balances which is a better measure of how much debt they have compared to their liquid net worth. Just like with debt to net worth debt to account balances gives a big spike of risk when they buy an owner occupant property with 5% down, but it helps to keep the overall risk down during the middle part of the modeling. However, Since buying an owner-occupant property extends how long it takes to acquire all 10 short-term rentals, they end up having this risk remain higher for a little longer as they finish up buying the short-term rentals. Finally, let's talk about reserves to wrap up our discussions on risk. Buying rentals faster by renting instead of buying an owner-occupant property hurts them a little in that they need to have more reserves sooner. Sure, they need slightly more reserves when they buy their first owner-occupant property, since it is more expensive to own than to rent. But as they acquire rentals faster, their need for reserves is slightly higher sooner. However, once they pay off their owner-occupant mortgage, or any mortgage for that matter, their need for reserves does drop a bit with each property that is paid off. Overall, since we require six months of reserves to buy the next property in all the scenarios, they tend to not drop below six months of reserves. Eventually, though, they end up with more cash in their accounts by buying rental properties earlier and therefore end up with more months of reserves by buying the short-term rentals earlier as a renter. So in conclusion, there is a cost to and Norma having the luxury of living in a home they own. That cost is about four more years of working, lower net worth, and a more aggressive risk curve in several cases due to the 5% down payment owner-occupant loan. But a lot of these risks are mitigated later on, and there is some protection from periods of high inflation that they protect themselves from by locking in their housing costs with a fixed interest rate 30-year mortgage for the home they're living in. They would no longer be subject to their landlord increasing rents in a high inflation environment. The decision to buy an owner occupant property is one they need to consider carefully. You know, talking about them buying an owner occupant property has got me thinking what if they bought an owner occupant property with 5% down, and instead of waiting to have 15%, 20%, or 25% down payments saved to buy a rental? What if they waited until they had another 5% down payment and bought a second home to live in and moved into that property while converting the previous one to a rental? You know, they still end up with a rental and a home to live in, but they didn't have to save up 5% and 15% or 20% or 25%. Instead, they only had to save up two 5% down payments for two owner-occupant properties. And you know, another advantage of doing this strategy is that the interest rates for owner occupant properties are better than the interest rates they could get for investment rental properties. What if they repeated that process 10 times until they had 10 rental properties? They'd be able to buy 10 rental properties with the equivalent down payments for two and a half, 20% down payments. Well, that's what we call the nomad real estate investing strategy. Serially buying owner-occupant properties, and then converting them to rentals. It's what we will cover in the next episode. Also, be sure to check out the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast to see how having variable property appreciation rates and rent appreciation rates, variable mortgage interest rates, variable inflation rate, variable stock market rates of return, how all of those impact Norman Norma as they buy an owner-occupant property and then 10 short-term rentals. I hope you have enjoyed this episode about Norman Norma. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. Bye bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye bye for now.